You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. Check out Dogs Are Treat at dogsartreat.com. And if you go to their website at checkout and enter the code HXP20% off, you will get 20% off of your entire order on all of their branded products. Leashes, tie-outs, medical kits, paws are protected. Build your pack from the ground up and support a fellow houndsman that supports your lifestyle. Enter the code HXP20% off at checkout. Go to their website today at dogsartree.com. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in there. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week do you spend out As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> Hi, 
All right, and we are live. Thank you for joining us. This is Josh Michaelis with the Truth Version of the Houndsman XP podcast, and today we are lucky enough to be joined by Mr. Michael Ward. Michael, how are you, buddy? I'm good, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing great. Um, we're going to get into some things, and we're going to talk about quite a bit. But first, I want to get to the most important news of maybe the coon hunting century. And I want to get your views on Mr. John Strickland being the president of the one-on-one coon hunting league. Oh, no. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I might be a bigger fan of Norm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Strick's going to love it when he hears this. Oh, John's a good one. He, He likes to brag like a crow like a rooster but he's a good guy john is a good dude but what did you, did you watch that i did but it was hard to watch man yeah. the, the video kept going in and out and you couldn't hear but now it was it could be a pretty good deal if they'd get the right kind of video going yeah you bet i know that live stuff's just hard to do you know with our yeah. what we've done where we edit it and stuff like that i know it's hard but even lives even harder so but uh anyway that was that's the big news of the week but uh, <laughs> Michael, I want to start out with, and this is how I start out with most of the guys, and what we're trying to do here is, you know, there's a lot of misnomers and, and things about competition coon hunting by uh, people that haven't done it or haven't been around it much, and you've been around it quite a while, even for a younger guy, um, but what most people don't understand is we all got our start basically the same way, and I don't know how you got your start, but I'm guessing it was pretty similar to a lot of these other guys, so why don't you tell me about it? Well, as long as I can remember, I've been coon hunting. My dad, uh, my dad was a coon hunter. He he hunted several hunts back before PKC was even a thing, and uh, and he hunted black and tans. And and man, I can remember back. That's when it was fun. I mean, when I was training pups with my dad and stuff like that, and I fell in love with coon hunting way back then. And you know, he he loved coon hunting, but he was broke, and he'd train those black and tans, and he'd sell them. I'd get one going, and uh, I remember like it was yesterday, man. I'd come home from school, and I'd be ready to hunt that pup that night, <laughs> and my dad would not have it sold. <laughs> so he was using me, but I guess that's how I was paying my rent. But now I, and then I started hunting, hunting a few hunts here and there when I was young, and then and then I, uh, I hunted a dog for a man around here, and kind of got to hunting for the public a little bit, and then it just, it just shot up from there. What uh, do you remember your first coon hunt, or what is your first memory coon hunting? I'll tell you some of my first memories coon hunting was just freezing cold, and we don't have cold weather, but Mm -hmm. it was cold to me. And uh, just being super young, man, I remember I hated it, and that's just dumb to tell yourself, I guess, but we would be shining a tree, and if if I wasn't paying attention and my dad would hit that coon squaller, that would scare the heck out of me. <laughs> and I remember that like it was yesterday, man, and just just learning to get out there and, and not be scared of the dark and not be not be on a game and, and, and not be out doing something crazy. I mean, it's just coon hunting's been a blessing to me. You know, it's it's probably got me in a little trouble, but it's kept me out of a lot of trouble. You bet. What, uh, you guys started out with black and tans. Did, uh, you go to, did your dad ever go to Walker's or did you ever? No, he was a, he was a black and tan man. And, it, and even when he was still alive, he, he, he knew I hunted Walker's because that's what was winning. But right. in all honesty, he wouldn't, 
if he was alive today and still hunting, he wouldn't feed what I'm hunting, you know. <laughs> What's the difference between your dad's old black and tans and then black and tans you were starting as a young man versus what you're turning loose right now? Well, the dogs my dad hunted was strictly coon dogs. They didn't say a lot on the ground. When they when they got treed, they had coons. They didn't run junk. I mean, they were just coon dogs. But we hunted them by themselves, maybe with one other dog. And I tried to hunt them in some hunts when I was young, but, you know, a lot of times you get them out there and, and three more dogs blows their mind. So you it's bet. just hard, hard to win with them, you know. It's just a different it's just a different breed of animal, you know. That's people's, which years ago, you know, and, but before I was even hunting coon hunts, packing dogs was, th that was the thing. I mean, that's what okay. everybody done. But now it's such a different, if you ask a man that's 70-year-old, it's just totally different from the way it used to be. You wanted to, you used to want them to be together, but now we all beat and shock and try to get them, get them away from each other instead of letting them do what they want to do, you know. What, uh, when do you think that happened? What do you, because I mean, I've been a PKC member since 2001, but I didn't hunt a lot of hunts back then. You know, I hunted some UKC hunts, but up until probably about 10 years ago when I really started hunting PKC a little harder and independent dogs were already a thing then. I don't, because I, I guess I wasn't around for the dogs that didn't pack, uh, you, you know, in, in the PKC hunts. When do you think that happened? When I was a kid, I can remember dogs always being on trees together, and it wasn't like, you know, nobody was freaking out because a yeah. dog covered or anything like that. And I I don't hunt a covering dog myself or try not to, but the rules are set up for any kind of dog. You can't be mad when somebody's hunting a covering dog, or, right. or if that's the case, we shouldn't have a second, third, and fourth tree, you know. But, exactly. But I can remember when I was a kid, you know, dogs were always on the same tree. But And then it just... I'd say 10, 15 years ago, yeah. it just started kind of, kind of changing, you know. But more in the last 10 years, it's, it's independence, independence. You know, everybody's driving that in each other's heads, and that's how I like my dogs. But you need to hunt what you like, you know. Exactly. But it's changed, it's changed dramatically just coon hunting period in 10 years. Do you think that uh, a lot of these dogs are being bred more independent, or do you think our training is just getting better? A little bit of both, but a lot of the way the breeding, people's breeding them to be independent, yeah. and and it's helping in ways and it's hurting in ways. You're we're line breeding these dogs, and and so much, a lot of them ain't got no. We're breeding independence in them, but we're breeding the heart out of them, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you're right. I do agree with that. You know as well as I do, and we'll talk about this later. That motor and heart and go are or 90% of what you have to have in a coon dog to win absolutely. these anyway. And absolutely. If you don't have that, you don't have much. Exactly. And I think some, I think you're right when you say that some of these dogs, you know, the way they're bred now have been uh, breeding some of the heart out of them just to get some of that other stuff. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the way it is now, man, if, if I was going to breed a female, and I don't, I don't deal with a lot of breeding or anything like that, but if I was looking for a stud dog, I would want one that's won something if I wanted to sell pups, but mm -hmm. I personally wouldn't care nothing about selling them. But I would look for heart and drive and somebody that's hauled that dog and that dog's kept the heart and drive, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. one thing for a dog to win for six months, but it's another thing for a dog to win for six years, you know. Um, we talked about you you were hunting your black and tans and you and your dad were hunting a lot and you switched over and started doing some competition hunting and hunting for the public. When... Uh, 
At what age did you start getting in casts? 12, 11, 12 year old, yeah. I was hunting UKC hunts. You know, my dad would take me to his UKC hunts. And then by the time I was 15, 16, I started hunting some, hunting some PKC, but not nothing crazy, you know. Yeah. What, uh, do you remember your first cast? I do. I remember my first UKC cast. I was probably, I might've been 12. I was 11 or 12 and it was at a little club called Hillsborough, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and my first cast, I, I got lucky and won in a UKC hunt, man. I was, I probably cried. I don't remember. I know, <laughs> I, I know for a fact the last coon won the cast and I got down and hugged my dog like he was my best friend. You, know? yeah, you still do <laughs> but, that sometimes, don't you? Oh, Hey, I'm telling you, man, it's, it's, <laughs> If it don't excite you, if this yeah. stuff, if this stuff don't make you mad as you've ever been, and it don't excite you, then you probably need to quit. Let's go over, and I know you won a truck. Have you just won one truck? I've won three. You won three trucks. What else? Have you, what's yeah. your What's your major wins besides the three trucks? I've won three trucks. I've won the Super State. I've I got first in the Fall Super Stakes last year, yeah. and I got. Uh, I've been in the finals of the fall super stakes three times. I've got first, second, and third. I mean, it, just finals are big hunts. Everything's a big win now, yeah, so it's it really not. The prestigious hunt to me is prestige was the super stakes. You know, yeah. I, it wasn't the most money I've won in one lick, but it was cool for the dog and all that because the trucks, I mean, yeah, that's great for me and my bank account and stuff like that, but. As far as for the dog, the super stakes was the best, you know, because yeah. there's a truck hunt every week now, you know. Yeah, still, I mean, ain't very many of us want a truck, let alone three. Oh, there's no <laughs> doubt. I mean, it's awesome, but that's just a hunt you go in or like, and you win, right. I mean, you win three rounds and you've won a truck. Right. You, uh, that's the the pro sport stuff, and we'll talk about a little bit of that later. But uh, what dog... Uh, when you first started hunting and you first started winning, what dog were you doing it with? I was hunting an English dog in, from Alabama, a guy named Malcolm Carter, a preacher from Coleman here where I live. I hunted his English dog named Jimbo, and I ran him in the state race there for a couple of years in PKC. That was really my start in PKC, and it wasn't, I never went to many hunts, which back then there wasn't big hunts. You know, right. I wasn't but like 17, and, you know, you 500 added and stuff like that was the big thing then, you know, yeah. and. And that was about all I went to back then, you know. But at what at what point during all this? And if most the, most of the people listening are gonna know this, but but you hunt for or you coon hunt for a living. You handle dogs. You coon hunt. That's how you make your money, correct? Southern Hound Hunting Magazine is the most comprehensive magazine that represents your lifestyle as a houndsman. If you can. Hunt it with a hound, it is being covered in the pages of Southern Hound Hunting Magazine. You also get an in-depth look at the men and women who are engaged in this lifestyle, living it every day to the fullest. From the Rocky Mountains to the Southern Swamps and across the ocean with articles about our international houndsmen and what they're chasing across the pond. Go to southernhoundhunting.com. Get your subscription for $15 a year. Southern Hound Honey Magazine, promoting the fair chase experience. That's it. And so at what point during all this uh, did you decide that was the career path that Michael Ward wanted to take? Well, I, uh, 
I've worked jobs, I've welded, I've been on the pipeline, I've done a little bit of everything, and uh, I went to college for machine shop, and yeah. and when I was in college, I was like, man, this just, this ain't for me, you know, I'm, I'm standing in one place all day, running this machine, and I'm like, this ain't for me, so I just said, I'm out. So I dropped out, maybe not the smartest thing, but I did, <laughs> and, uh, and Michael Shearer, a guy from Alabama that I hunted for for probably eight years, seven, eight years, you know, he, he hired me full time and he right. paid me by the week and I had a dog and I went to hunts and I hunted extra dogs and all anything to make money really. And, and everybody, everybody looked down on it, you know, especially yeah. everybody around here that don't know, you know, and, and then I hunted and hunted and then just kept doing it for a living. And, and I started actually finally making a good living out of it, right. you know, and, and, Everybody don't agree with it, which is fine. You know, if it's not for you, it's not for you. But in my eyes, I enjoy it. I make a good living. I don't care what you do for a living. You shouldn't care what I do for a living. You know, I don't, that's just a big deal for somebody that does what I do for a living. They get to hear that all the time. Yeah. The backs, the backlash off of it, which is okay. I get it. I mean, I've, I've gave it too, but I'm just jealous. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> There's but, nothing to be jealous of. And that's I can that's tell another you. thing I want to touch on, Michael. As I hunted when I was 21, 22, I don't know if you know Tom Cooney. He's a guy that used to have some some Walker dogs out in Nebraska, and I used to hunt professionally for him. I, he'd send me five or six dogs a month, and I would run through these pups, and I would handle in some hunts. And people, and I talked to Darty about this too. It, uh, people don't understand how hard this is, and everyone thinks, oh, you know, you're going out to go coon hunting and you do it for a living, and it sounds like great and it sounds like fun, but it isn't always fun. I mean, you gotta you gotta treat it like a job, and people don't understand that how difficult it can be when you have to hunt, uh, you know, nearly every night, and you have to be on the road all the time. Yeah, it's it's definitely. Uh, I would like to challenge some people that think it's not a job just to follow me for a month, you know. And I'm not saying it's hard. It's just different. It's a different kind of hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's we've all been there when it's cold or raining or or we're tired or we've done something we don't want to go hunting that night with when you when you're getting paid to do it you still got to strap your boots on and go right or if you're on a five or six cast losing streak and you're ready to quit i mean it's just yeah. it's just like anything else man if you love it you need to pursue it because you never know i mean you might not have another chance to do anything yeah yeah that's right and so you started winning with Scherer's dog, and you started traveling with Scherer's dog, and you said that eventually you got to where, you know, you were making a pretty decent living at it, and you were being successful. Uh, when did that start? Was it still for sure, or was it for someone else? Yeah, it was for sure. Michael Scherer, him and uh, Ashley Guthrie started hitting me up, and I started doing a little bit of hunting for him while I was hunting for Mike, and he, we had the American Billionaire dog, Mm-hmm. which his name was just Bill then, Mike on him. And Ashley kept, you know, calling me, you know, where's a good dog at? Where's a good dog at? When I said, well, he got a good dog, but I don't know if Mike would sell him. And then uh, I got them two together and they partnered. And then that was even better for me, you know, because I had two good guys that would send me anywhere I wanted to go. And I I was super successful with Bill. And, uh, and that was a good partnership. I mean, they bought, then they bought Captain America together, and it was just history from there, really. I mean, we we had some super good luck with him. What old did you win with Bill? 
Uh, I want a truck. I want the CHKC truck. I got second the super stakes with him. Somewhere around 150000 Yeah. I knew Bill. I know for a long time, or quite a while. I mean, it's hard to keep a dog, you know, going and rolling in these hunts and winning consistently. And Bill seemed to do it nah, for a lot longer is. than most. It, yeah, he, uh, I've been lucky with him. He's old and fat now, but I took him to, uh, I took him to Oklahoma just a few months ago and, and, and got him in there too and, and won about 10,000 with him. He's a good dog. He's, he's just like all of them. You want to kill him sometimes, but yeah. he's been, he's been good to me. Which one's your favorite? Favorite dog you've ever turned loose? Mm. As far, the funnest dog I've ever turned loose that's, that's won me the most money is Captain America. The, the best coon dog I've ever cut loose probably is the, the cowboy dog that I hunt now. Yeah. But it's he? just so crazy because they've got areas they're good in. Yeah. Cowboy's good down here. Cap's good up north. And luckily, I've got dogs like that, so I can split them up. You know, I hunt one half the year, hunt the other one half the year. What, uh, there is a northern dog. You're in Alabama. I'm in north Missouri. We've hunted, we've drawn each other, been to the same hunts and stuff. And there's that northern versus southern dog debate. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh... It's hard for me to argue it because Cap's a northern dog. I mean, he just yeah. is. He he can treat coons here, but when he gets when he gets in rough hunting, he's looking to get treated. You know, he's not going to treat as many coons. It's not really the amount of coons; it's the terrain. When you take him up north, and he can roll around those field edges and crops, that's perfect for him. Yeah. Down here in these big woods, when it's thick and rough, that's not his style. Like Cowboy's a southern dog, in my opinion. He he treats coons down here. He's not looking to get treated as much. He can treat coons up north, but when those crops are in, he wants to get in those crops and stuff. We don't have that here. Yeah. What do you, What's your hunting like down there mostly? Is it pretty rough? Well, I've got good flat bottoms and stuff, but not big, huge places, you know. I've, it's either rough hills or pretty good river bottoms here, but there's no there's not a bunch of corn or beans or anything I mean, there there is hit, hit and miss but nothing like y'all have got or any you know northern state yeah uh switching gears here a little bit we made me think about it we was talking about debates and i was talk or i was talking to yant and a few other guys about the uh keeping cast together at all times and the no leash lock rules and all that stuff and their pkc is is thinking about changing that stuff what do you think about which they've already changed the leash lock rule and for the people that are listening that don't understand is that if all dogs are treed in a cast right now in the professional kennel club uh the dogs remain on the leash until all the trees are scored and then these dogs are recast together instead of getting a dog off his tree walking it turning it loose and then going to score the other dogs so but do you think uh the leash lock rule change was a good one or a bad one in my opinion, and everybody's got their own, I think it's a good change because the way I look at it is if we cut loose and you're hunting a babbler or whatever, anything you want to call it, whatever, you strike right off the leash and yours blows out through the hunter. Well, there's a coon out here 50 or 100 yards that that dog has no clue there's even out here. Mm -hmm. My dog strikes for 50 trees this coon. We wait five minutes. We go in here and score this tree, eight-minute shine time. Say we shine at seven minutes and 50 seconds, we find the coon. So there's plenty of time went by then. We pull off that tree, we walk, we're walking a minute, 30 seconds into the minute, the rest of those dogs get treated in there. 
in my opinion, if you keep this dog on the leash, you're punishing the first dog that treed the coon, you know? Yeah. In my opinion, the first dog that trees the coon should be rewarded. Plus them up, send them on, you know? What uh, you hunted CHKC back when it was a, it was pretty big and they didn't have a leash lock. And a, a lot of complaining on doing away with the leash lock is that the dogs, and these dogs do go a long ways and they got big <laughs> motors, but they're worried about, you know, them out hunting their hunting area. Uh, do you think that's going to be a problem? No, mainly, and it could be anywhere, but the only reason is, is who's to say that you're going to be leash locked anyway? So when you're going to that spot, you can't be guaranteeing that you're going to get leash locked. Because yeah. what if one dog trails all night? You're going to you're going to have to cut your dog regardless. So I agree a little bit because it's hard to find big places to hunt. But if if everything's not treed, you still have to cut loose regardless. So I don't see it making a big difference. I just don't I don't agree with leading the dog around on the leash all night. I know when I've seen dogs go the farthest, it's when there's been one treed quick out of the pickup like you were talking. And then you have to take that dog that's obviously pretty independent or it wouldn't have been over here by itself in the first place. And you have to take it to one, two, or three more trees. And then you have to turn it loose next to them three dogs that it just got away from again. And he's wanting to blow out now. Then he's really going to get out of there. You know, that's the times, you know, I've seen that with with Bella and and Con and Trader even, you know, where they just lining them dogs up next to them made it twice twice as bad. Right, and the thing is, is we're, we're supposed to be out here trying to see whose dog can tree the most coons in an hour and a half or two hours or however long we're hunting, and you're you're punishing the dog by leading it around on the leash, in my opinion. Yeah. What do you think about the other proposed rule change about keeping a cast together at all times? Because right now, you can, if your dog's treed behind the cast and your time is up, you can go handle your dog and wait at your tree for the rest of the cast to come score it. You know, on occasion, it don't always happen. But uh, they're wanting to change it to where everybody has to be together at all times and walk to every tree. You think that's a good idea? Yeah, personally, which I'm young and I'm in shape. And people, the reason people are saying they don't want to do it is because of, you know, they have to walk so much and stuff like that. And I understand that. But around here, it's hard to pull any stuff, you know what I mean? But up north, if I go to my dog by myself, and I'm on the edge of a cornfield. My dogs miss this coon by a tree or two. It's it's the most simple thing for me to do is move them, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's too easy to cheat. And it puts a man in a position, as much money as there is on the line, for $100,000, everybody's moving that dog, whether you want to admit it or not. It's just, it's going to take a chance. It's going to take a lot of room for bs out of the sport you know i mean yeah you might have to walk a few steps but you also don't have to wonder what went on over there at that other tree and we've all i mean i got in a situation over here at kinder at the pro classic and you know it's a you know it's four to four grand to split if i get in and i went to rain who was treed behind the cast and we had some stuff going nobody was trying to cheat you know it was just a um mistake you know a rule mistake they made but it's something that could have been avoided if we were all been there but at also man some of these dogs you've walked and i've judged these hunts where you have to walk to every tree and you have too and a guy can get in six or seven miles of rough walking in a night too right so i mean i don't know six of one half and does the other but 
Those well, are... the thing is, too, it's not just moving dogs. It's the fact of if that dog shuts up, we're all going to know it. There's going to be a two-ran every time. Yeah. When you get into the tree, if that dog's off the tree, we're all going to see it. He's going to get minus like he's supposed to. It just takes it just takes all room for error out, you know. I mean, to me, yeah. which it's hard to get everybody on the same page. Everybody won't agree, and if the rule don't change, it's not going to bother me. I'm going to be there regardless. Yeah, and that's another thing, too, is I've complained about the leash lock and I know I was leash locked for 45 minutes in the quarterfinals of the World Hunt one year with rain, and I swore I'd never go back, and I was back two weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all we're all going to keep keep coming. There's, there's too much fun into it not to, you know. The only thing I believe is I believe keeping the cast together benefits the dog that's ready. Whoever's got their dog the most ready and trained, it benefits them because their dog is going to stay treed. He's not going to bark himself out because he's in shape and he's going to be on the tree when you get there. The two's not going to catch him and he's going to have a coon. You know, that, yeah. that to me, that benefits the best dog. When you, when you talk about dogs getting ready and dogs being in shape and stuff, and there's going to be a lot of people listening to this that have never been lucky enough to be at some of the hunts that we have and, and around some of the dogs that we have. And, you know just as well as I do that they're all dogs and they all make mistakes and, and they're all, you know, not end-all, be-all type animals. But these dogs, especially at these pro classics and the pro sport truck hunts and these high-end entry fees, they're on another level that a lot of these guys don't understand. And they see, you know, just like the one-on-one -on -one hunt the other night where Apollo made some mistakes and that blue tick made some mistakes and they think that they got you know, something good enough to compete, and they very well might. But right. what is the difference between these dogs like Cap and like Bill and like others, you know, that you've been around that separates them from everything else? The main thing to me that, that a dog has got to have, and we talked about it already, he's got to have heart and he's got to have drive. When you recut him off a tree, he's got to be doing everything he can and hustling to go tree another coon. And some dogs win in different ways. Some dogs get a piece of your coon, they'll tree another coon, then they get a piece of somebody else's coon. It's just so different. To me, my main thing is I want to, when I show up at a hunt, I want to have my dog in shape, just in hunting shape. Because I believe if he's in hunting shape, I've got as good a chance as everybody, you know. And, yeah. and all dogs are different. Like Cap, I don't hunt him every night. I run him on the road, you know. I, I run him a couple miles, three or four days a week, just to keep him in shape. Yeah. Because if you don't hunt or you don't get them active, then when they get out there as hot as it is now, they're going to, I mean, they're going to be done after that first tree. It's going to be hard to get them to hustle and go tree another coon. Okay. To me, that's the main thing. You got to start with having your dog in shape. How much, uh, people, I, just, I, I can't get across to people how much pressure these dogs are under, you know, everything looks good by itself behind the house. I've said that a hundred times, but how would a guy go, you, you say you want him in shape and you say you want him to do that, but here's a guy that's, that's never been to a competition coon hunt and he wants to start and he wants to know if his dog is good enough. How would you go about getting that dog ready? That's never really been in a crowd. Well, you've got to find somebody to hunt with first of all, because I like to hunt them by themselves, but my dogs already know not to cover and stuff like that. But, and, and the whole pressure and things like that. But 
you can't just hunt one by itself its whole life and then throw it in a cast because its mind's going to be completely blown. So you've got to hunt it with different dogs. You've got to go to different places, show that dog different areas and stuff like that. Because if not, it's just going to shock it. If you've cut that dog loose at the same spot every night by itself, then it's not going to know what's going on when you haul it three or four hours to a hunt and turn it loose with three, you know, different dogs that are barking wild and running and running deer and backing and doing all kind of stuff. It's just going to blow their mind. And you run in, you never. It's just like anything dog. else. Repetitive. I mean, you got to get them, get them in that situation. It's just like a ball player or anything else. If they're not used to it, it's going to freak them out. You hear talk, and we're talking about these dogs that are winning. And you hear talk about how oh, we bred the nose out of them here. We've done this. These dogs today aren't this or that. But man, these last few, I think, really since, especially since the world hunt last year. What's blown my mind is how accurate some of these dogs are. I mean, you don't go to a tree anymore hardly without seeing a coon. Have you been seeing the same thing? Dakota 283 offers you unparalleled protection for your hounds. We're talking about military-grade kennel crates. Uh, I got got one of these two-door kennel crates here at the house. It is super heavy-duty. It's got slap latches on it that are stainless steel easily fits in the back of an SUV or if you're traveling with a camper shell, it's a great way to keep your dog protected while you are traveling. You just got to check out their Dash Series. This is a watering system and I've used a lot of these portable waterers over the years, but this system is all integrated into one unit and the way it's designed out of high impact plastic, the water stays in the tank when you're not using it because you can put a plug in it. Check them out. Uh, the 3.5 is also compact enough that I can store it behind the seat of my pickup truck while I'm out hunting when it's super cold. I've had exterior tanks before, and as soon as I go to cold climates, then I've got to figure out how I'm going to get water to my hounds, and the dash takes care of that. So check out Dakota 283 at dakota283.com and at checkout enter the code hxp10 and get 10 percent off of your order pretty much down our way right now it's so hard to treat coons i don't know why maybe it's just lack of dog power but it's just these coons ain't doing much but the problem i have with with like the cowboy dog he don't he don't gamble enough, you know, yeah. and sometimes circles one of these casts and I can't get treed, you know, but, but cap, he's totally different. He's getting treed, you know, every 15 minutes, he's going to be treed somewhere, you know, Yeah. but it's just yeah. so different. There's so many different styles of dogs out there. It's, it's totally different, but they say they're breeding the nose out of them, but it's a lot of way the people train them. You know, a lot of these guys, they turn them loose and they shock them and make them blow out and they, they're too scared to slow down because they're they're scared they're going to get shocked so they're looking for that hot coon yeah i know you see some but i you see some of these ambush style dogs in some of these hunts and you know they're in there a mile every drop and they're they got a coon in a bush but it seems to me from the hunts just the hunts i've been to in the last few months or maybe the last year that some of that's kind of going away right the main thing is to me and i'm not saying my dogs are like this because I like to stomp mine every night. But if a dog is hustling, it don't matter what kind of nose it's got. If it's hustling and it's trying to treat coons when you cut it loose, you can win hunts. It don't matter if it's hot nose. It don't matter if it's hunting a mile. 
none of that matters. It's just got to hustle and try. And if it does that, you'll win your fair share. How hard is that to find? That sounds easy. I'll just get me a dog. It's not. It's hard. not easy. It. It, <laughs> it. You would think a coon dog should be looking for a coon when you cut it loose, but I don't understand. And if I could find out, I think I could be a millionaire. But <laughs> no, I don't. I don't get it. But people think so many different things, man. They think they can take him out here and shock him and change it. They think they can give him a peel and change it. Man, dogs are gonna be dogs. Is that's one thing I had to understand, and I ruined a few dogs in the in the middle of learning that, you know. But they're just going to be – dogs are going to be dogs. You get them ready, you go to a hunt, you got the same amount of chance as the other three guys. What uh, what hunt you got coming up next? Are you just getting ready for the world hunt, or you got stuff coming up in between? No, I've got uh, – I've got a – that $4,000 entry that pays 50000 It's at John Strickland's house this next weekend. Yeah. I know that's the last place I seen you was down there at Lebanon. So we'll and, go there, and then I think maybe the Super Stakes next. Yeah. What do you uh, What do you have for Super Stakes, though? The Cowboy Dog. He's a fall three year old. Oh, is he? I thought I thought Cowboy was a senior last year. So you got a no. You got a high hopes for Super Stakes. I hope so. Yeah, I, I've got high hopes. I don't know what he's thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I've never see. hunted with Cowboy. I've heard a lot of good things. What's this uh, young dog that you and Weed got together? Well, we actually sold him. He's a Zeb 3 pup, uh, two-year-old fall. Ashley Guthrie bought him from us just yeah. last week. I got you. I say he went on a stretch where he looked like he was winning everything you guys. Yeah, he, he's a he's a good pup. He he hustles and looks to get treed. You know, he's, he's a nice pup. Yeah. So you're taking Cowboy out to Super Stakes and then uh, – what do you got for world hunt? I've got cowboy and cap. I and I'll let them decide which one I'm gonna hunt. All right. Who are you hunting for right now? Uh, Ike Rainey from yeah. Florida. Yeah, and Ike has how many handlers? You tell me, and then we'll both know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know a lot. So this is one of the subjects I wanted to get into, and you talk about, and and already touched on it too about how. Uh, people get on there and say it's a rich man sport uh the money's ruining the sport all this stuff what do you think about that well i can just tell you man there's never been so many eyes on coon hunting as there is now it's uh it's grown and, and anything that grows like this it's an awesome thing ike rainy is one of the few money men that's in the sport you know and and he loves it. It's not just him jumping in here throwing around money. He loves coon hunting. He loves to hunt. I've never seen somebody that loves to hunt like him. Yeah. And he's man, he's been a blessing to me and it it's not ruining nothing. Now it's harder to buy a dog now without without paying good money for it, but a a broke man that can train a dog can make a killing off a dog if he wants to sell it, you know. It's it's just it's a double edged sword to me. If you if a broke man like like me, if I didn't hunt for a living and I was training pups, you get the right one, you can get twenty, thirty thousand for it. You know, it's it's just it goes both ways. It it's hurt the dog market as far as buying dogs, which you had you had your shables and you had everybody else, Guthrie, everybody's bought dogs for big money, but how else are you gonna get if there's not a lot of money involved, how else are you gonna get this sport out to everybody else and get eyes on the sport? Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean I look at dogs. I I sold a young female out of my brother's Joe dog last year for 
it was about this time last summer and for three times what the dog was worth and probably could have got right. more. And I put a lot of time in that dog and she was something that wasn't ever going to win the way I wanted to win, but was a very serviceable quality coon dog that could go around and probably win a cast or two here and there, you know? And so you're looking at that and I wish this would have happened eight or 10 years ago. I wouldn't be stuck with all these old dogs I got now. I would have sold them. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, the thing is to me is you work every day, you've got a job and you make however much you make a month. So you make, 5,000 a month, 2,000 a month. Now, if you've never got out here and trained a pup and worked on it and hunted it and fed it every day and put up with the bull crap that comes with it, then you don't understand. But if you have and you hunt this dog for two years and you get $20,000 out of it, if you break down your time with that pup and the aggravation you've went through, you're really kind of getting screwed. Oh, yeah. I you're mean, not, if, we're, if we're being honest, because yeah, if you hadn't done it, then you need to go out there and do it, and then you'll realize why these dogs are selling for so much. That's right. What do you, uh, where do you think someone should get started? Say they're getting ready to get into competition hunts, and they've been traveling around to some buddies. They got their dog kind of dialed in. Where do you think they should get started as far as the competition circuit side? Because pe people are talking about how it's money this and money that, but there's still tons well, of opportunities to go to a cast. There's a level for anybody that wants to coon hunt. That's the thing. It's it, Yeah, there's big money hunts, but look at the opportunity people have to make a living or just make life-changing money in coon hunting. But there's also a level to get started. You've got $30 hunts. You've got $50 hunts. You've got $100 legacy hunts. $200 pro classics, $300 pro classics, $500. Mm -hmm. And then you you can step up to a $2,500 pro classic and with 16 dogs, you know, and you don't have to go to everyone. You know what I mean? You can go to two a year and then work your way up from there. But it's, it can be a money man sport, but it can be anybody's sport. It hasn't changed. There's a bigger level to it. There's, there's steps of it. That's, that's one up, but there's still small hunts. Like there's always been. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right, Michael. Anything else you want to talk about? We breeze through this stuff. We need to slow down. See if there's anything else you need to say? Yeah, we flew through it. No, man. Ain't anything you want to talk about? I'm, I'm here. I'm. All right. Well, I tell you what, I do is I like to read, and you're on social media. I see you on there right. every now and then. I like to read a Facebook comment by someone who has not come competition coon hunted very much and see what you guys get someone's reaction to it so i'm gonna i'm on my laptop now i'm gonna step through here and you know it's a good thing is they're not hard to find all right let's see this guy says that we've well we've already talked about breeding the nose out of these comp dogs all right oh here's a good one all these comp hunts are is buddy hunts where you can't win unless you know someone. <laughs> what, what do you think uh, of that, Michael Ward? Well, I can tell you there's probably been hunts that way. I, I'm not going to sit here and lie. There's, there's crooks all over this country in coon hunting just like there is in car selling or anything else. But I can tell you from experience that most of them are not like that. And in these bigger hunts, it's pretty much the most calm, straight-up hunts 
that you've ever been on. I mean, you've you've judged them, you've hunted them. Mm-hmm. I've uh, I can go to a hundred dollar legacy hunt and see stuff that's going on that will blow your mind. Even me being in hunts and doing everything there is to do, I'm not gonna lie. And then go to a sixty five hundred dollar entry, and it's the smoothest. Everybody's you know, heck, you're proud for the guy that wins. Yeah. But I would say that that guy probably needs to go to a different club. I don't know. I mean, because if he's <laughs> if he's in that kind of bind, I've been there and done that. Then the best thing to do is uh, find some new hunting buddies or go to a different club. What uh, What's the craziest thing you ever seen pulled in a cast? No name. You don't have to mention any names if you don't want to. But uh, what's the craziest thing you ever seen pulled? Man, I don't know. Uh, I've seen it all. There, I don't know. I mean, there's all kind of stuff that goes on out here, but it's really not as crooked as everybody thinks it's it is. Not. I mean, there's it's not. You're there right. is stuff that goes on. I mean, there's stuff that goes on that's that's crazy. You know, that people shouldn't win, but and it, not the screwing, but even just crazy breaks you take. You know, that's yeah. just not supposed to happen. That's the wildest thing. You're gonna see breaks out here, and then you're gonna get discouraged and be like, man, I'm not hunting no more. I can't catch a break, but. If you keep hunting, those breaks that you're seeing everybody else take will come around to you. I got a break like that in Texas. I was walking to range, read by herself, to win the cast. And you know how them bushes were in Texas. Them dogs would tree that stuff in that water in them little bitty trees sometimes. Right. And uh, she pulls that coon out as I'm walking there to her. And before I can get my hands on her, it gets away from her and climbs right up the same tree. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. It's a, so you, that's one of the crazy, so you took craziest. Good break. Break. Yeah, and then I I got screwed probably two casts later to get it back. So another dog got right. a break. So it all comes up on the end usually. Yeah, it's it's nuts the stuff that happened. Like I was in the super stakes in the spring and and it ended up not mattering at the end, but we were in the semifinals and it was a heads up cast. Me and uh, Ashley Hopkins. And we we both have took some minus. We've had a bad cast, and I've had I've got two hundred minus, and I'm struck back for a hundred. Well, we we go in here. I'm tree. We go in here to this tree, and if I've got a coon, then I can beat him if he's got a circle tree. But I've got to have a coon. And we get in seeing distance of my dog, and it's not a little bitty tree. This coon jumps straight out. Boom, right on the ground, commits suicide, <laughs> my dog catches him. So all I get is a strike plus, you know. Yeah. And then I'm, you know, at this point, I'm done. There's no way. Which, it, he ended up having a coon, but in my head, I was like, are you kidding me? That's just part of it, though. I mean, it's yeah. there's crazy stuff that happens every time people cut these dogs loose. But it's usually pretty smooth. I mean, it's competitive. When you get men competing for money, there's going to be – just like everything else, it's going to get wild at times. But yeah. coon and, hunting's been one of the biggest blessings in my life. And if my dad wouldn't have got me in it, then I'd probably be in prison or maybe on drugs. You know what I mean? There's no <laughs> yeah. telling. This This sport, even just coon hunting before I was competition hunting, this sport has kept me out of so much crap. And to me anything like this not just coon hunting but deer hunting and fishing or anything if you can get your kids out to do something like this man it's life-changing because it keeps them out of the you know doing 
anything else, drugs, drinking, whatever, you know, it, it just kept me out. I had my fair share of stuff, but luckily I can say I've never been to jail, you know? Yeah. Amen. I, and I agree with you. It's the, the whole sport's a blessing. And Michael, you've been a good ambassador to the sport. I sure appreciate you joining us on this. Hey man, I appreciate you having me. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna see you down the road. If I don't get out the super stakes, I'll definitely see you at the world hunt. And uh maybe we'll sit down and we'll do this again. Awesome, buddy. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for joining us. That is Michael Ward, uh my friend and professional handler, and this is the Truth Podcast for Houndsman XP. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>